You know, a lot of people think about the gospel and they think, well, that's what I heard when I got saved. I want to move on to the deeper and more lofty things. There really is nothing more profound. There really is nothing more transforming than the gospel and all of its benefits and all of its details. And so what is the gospel? That's what we're going to talk about, you know. That's what we're going to talk about together on Wednesdays. I'm going to do some live streams and some chats in the Facebook group. I don't know the schedule on that just yet, but, you know, we'll see what, what makes sense and what works just for some discussions and talk, you know, because here's what happens. When you, when you get exposed to the finished work of Jesus and you get exposed to the gospel, your Christianity actually goes deeper. It goes deeper into your heart in such a way that all of those areas that you feel like you can't change, you know, you're thankful that you're saved. You trust that you're going to heaven. You know, you know that God kind of likes you. But when you really, truly understand the depths of which God went through in becoming human and becoming Jesus and everything that he did for us and everything that that produces in you and through you, you know, Christianity is such a deep exercise of healing and transformation that really only the gospel can promote. You know, there's a lot of external approaches to Christianity where it's about displaying certain behaviors and convincing God how sorry you are for your sin so that he might disseminate some forgiveness to you. And then you understand, you know what? I'm already forgiven. Whether I even ask for it or not, God has forgiven me because he himself provided the lamb. Now, what I do is I repent. I change my mind. I believe in what he did to the degree that it does produce within me a sorrow, but it's not about the sorrow as much as it is an acknowledgement of, man, the way that I'm living is contrary to the life that Jesus died to give me. You know, it's not going to God and trying to convince him that you're sorry enough for him to accept you, which is what a lot of repentant language is, you know, preaching is about. You know, if we could just get the country to repent, then God will send revival. It's like, okay, I don't really want to attack mindsets. It's, it's just a matter of the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. The gospel has the power to get down into your heart and, and effectuate change at a level that you don't even know you need that type of healing. You know, I was having a conversation recently with someone and they were part of a ministry. And this, this leader of this ministry is, you know, was devoted and, and a powerful minister and leader. And, and it came to find out that this person was, you know, probably had some deep woundings that, that manifested into, you know, some perversion. And, 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 and then it, it touched the message and how the message was presented to the people. And then the people were kind of made to feel like it's... Uh, and I don't, I don't want to go too deep into that, but the, mind, the mindset is that <clears throat> you can tell when legalism has a hold on someone because it gets down in them and it produces an external uh, twisting of what's in them. The gospel gets in there and starts to change and heal those areas. If someone is trying to live in their own strength, and follow Jesus based on what the externals look like, or you're trying to approach God to get to a place, all of that stuff in you is never really healed and touched and cleansed and forgiven. And I mean, you're forgiven, but you don't know that you are. You don't live in such a way. You know, what this person needs is to know that Jesus was punished for him, that, con that Jesus was condemned for him. And the perversion that gets birthed out of that is because this person, I can promise you, feels deeply condemned. And it may even be related to a past trauma that that person is still carrying around. That's the kind of stuff that the gospel gets down and heals. You know, I have conversations regularly. I mean, we're not a huge congregation, but we've seen a lot of people come through. And, and you know, in this weird COVID season, there's a lot of people that are local that are just watching online, and that's fine. I'm, I'm okay with that. You know, I'm, I'm, I think church in general, we're all learning that 
you better, you better realize that church has changed, at least for a while, and so minister in such a way that your, your metric is not butts in seats, you know what I mean? Because <laughs> it's just not. It's a matter of what, are you, what tools are you leveraging to get the gospel into people's hearts and minds, you know? But that, that's, what, that's what I feel, that's what I want to see happen uh, throughout, really throughout all of 2021. I want to see change in your personal lives. I want to I hear those testimonies where it's like, you know, just always felt this, and I don't feel that anymore, and it's changed my life in this way. I just had a conversation with someone recently, and they had a life-controlling issue, you know, a sin, a repetitive sin that was an overt sin in their life, and they came up and they said, you know, we met and we chatted and, and you know, the, the love that I experienced and the, and the, the I, I'm kind of putting, phrasing it into my words here, but basically encountering the gospel and experiencing the love of God has changed this person in such a way. And I'm like, well, would you, would you share that on, on a Sunday? And it's like, uh, I don't know that I want to share those kind of details about myself. A lot of people that have encountered this message and specifically in this church I've had, you want, I've had that conversation dozens of times. Somebody will share with me a very deep, intimate, dark area of their life that just kind of, they just kind of let go because of knowing God's love for them and knowing the forgiveness that is already in the blood of Christ. And people will share these deep, intimate things with me. And it's like, I'm like, would you please come and share that? That would be so powerful for you to share with the people because there are people sitting in the congregation and watching and listening that need to hear that. It'll help them experience the freedom. And it's like, mm, I'm a little bit embarrassed by it, you know. I want you to be embarrassed by your testimonies. You know what I mean? Like, I want you to have the kinds of testimonies where you're like, wow, I didn't think I would ever overcome that. I really didn't think I would. Most people, most Christians settle into their sin. Settle into a certain level of guilt and shame and condemnation and just kind of live with it and hope that they make it to heaven. Some people feel like, well, I know that I'm forgiven, but, you know, I'm just falling and I'm just going to always deal with this as I'm just my cross to bear. I'm always going to struggle with this, this sin. I just have no hope that I can overcome it. A lot of Christians are living with that. A lot of Christians are living with such a low-level sense of guilt and condemnation that produces shame that then, turn, that then fuels the legalistic perspective and self-judgment that then fuels the sin again because ultimately what that person is doing is holding their sins against themselves. And there's this kind of messy moment where it's like you have to understand in spite of that, God loves me and accepts me and died for me and I'm okay with him. And then the legalist says, are you saying that we should continue in sin? And it's like, no, God forbid. Don't you know what grace is? Don't you know now that you're under grace how much more God desires to give you all the benefits of his kingdom? Don't you know that? You know, so we have an uphill battle because there are, there's a lot of churches in this community that I've heard tell people not to come to this church because we're like soft on sin or greasy grace or whatever the terms might be, you know. It's like, oh, man, really? You just, you know, and I, and I don't, I don't want to use our freedom and our liberty and shove it in people's faces. Like, Look how free we are. Because it's, it's, not, it's not that. It's really not. In fact, there is more responsibility associated with this message than, than any other message because it holds you accountable to live within the righteousness that you've been given. Most Christians have a perspective that they're still a sinner, which leaves the door open for sin. Well, it makes sense that I'm still sinning. You know, we all fall short of the glory of God. It's like, well, yeah, you do, except now you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are forgiven. You can live within the power of grace. Grace will teach you how to live godly moment by moment in every situation. Grace is not just God looking at you and saying, you deserve this, but I'm not going to give it to you. I'm going to give you something that you don't deserve. Grace is a power in you that brings change, and it teaches you 
moment by moment. Grace is, it's like if you could gain Jesus' capacity to live and make choices and treat other people. It's like if you, you're facing whatever you're facing, if you literally had the power of Jesus and the character of Jesus within you to do those things, that's what grace is. It's a divine influence in your heart that teaches you to live godly moment by moment. And so every moment, every choice you have in life, yes, there's an opportunity for use your freedom as an occasion to the flesh. Yes, there's an opportunity to choose sin. But there is way more grace supplied, power, teaching, wisdom supplied than any other opportunity you will face. Every time you have a decision to make, there is grace, i.e. God's influence in your heart available to bear within you whatever you need in that moment. If it's patience or wisdom or self-control, gentleness, meekness, goodness, whatever. If it's those or if it's I just need to keep my mouth shut right now. Or if it's, I've got opportunities here, which one do I go after? Or if it's I, the Lord speaking to you, I really want you to step out and do this. You know, whatever it is, moment by moment, God's influence is available to teach you. And the more you know how much He loves you on an experiential level, the more you know just how close you are to Him because of the work that He's done, the more receptive your heart will be to hear those things and follow Him. Obedience is a fruit. It's not a goal. Obedience is something that you're like, I, because I don't want to disrupt this intimacy that I have with my Father in my own heart, I am going to make the godly decision because I don't want to disrupt this connection that I have with Him in this moment. Obedience is a choice to preserve your appreciation for what God has done for you. Yeah. It's not to please Him and make Him happy and earn something from Him. You know, you, you stay out of sin to keep your heart pure and clear toward Him because He's always giving you grace and leading you and guiding you into truth and always wanting to bring blessing into your life. Now, externally, the world, you're going to have trouble in the world. You know, we were talking in our, our prayer group this morning with Glenn and Jimmy, and Glenn and I did most of the talking, but <laughs> that's not a shot at Jimmy. He's just a good listener. Um, you know, I brought up the idea. So, you know, when we get into some of this gospel and grace stuff, it, it can kind of start to sound like a word of faith type thing or a prosperity gospel kind of thing, and I, and I don't mean it to. It's just that some of the benefits of the gospel include healing and provision and things like that. It just does because you're set free from the curse, and part of the curse is sickness. I mean, that's a, real, that's a big one, but what we're going to do is when we get to that point to talk about that in the upcoming weeks, we're going to show all the scripture that's related to how uh, the gospel, how the finished work of Jesus touches on those kinds of things. And it's not that we want to talk about those kinds of things because this is what you get as being a Christian. Let me, you know what I mean? Like, like this is one of the carrots for being a Christian as much as it is. It's, this is just how good Jesus is. He inherited all things and then he turns and he shares inheritance with us. You know, everything that you need or want from God is part of what Christ inherited and desires to be through you. The inheritance that Jesus received from His Father, He shares with you. God is not withholding from us. We just don't always experience it because we don't know what and who we are in Him. So there's a huge identity component, you know. So... It's not that you're going to learn a bunch of new information, but we're going to just solidify the foundation. And it's not that we're going back to the basics because I don't really ever want to leave the gospel. It's not basic to me. It's the power. Yeah. Amen? So let me go into, by the way, I see Hans over there. 
an announcement. Hans is kind of, he, he emailed and said, hey, I, can I do some men stuff? I want to gather some men together and I think it'd be cool and I appreciate that. You said that's something that you appreciated about where you were before and just having the opportunity for men to gather. And So Hans, if you don't know Hans, if you're a man, <laughs> Hans is here. <laughs> Get to know Hans. I mean, this is you just, I appreciate how easy it was. You're like, hey, I'm going to do this and if you want to come, come. That's awesome. I love that. Um, so January 5th, you've reserved a couple of lanes at the bowling alley down here. And if you're a man, you're welcome to come. What time is that? It's uh, 6.30. 6.30. At Royal Lanes, which is next to the original partners over there. Um, and then we had already talked about uh, doing our monthly uh, men's gathering here on Wednesdays, which... Adam and I have been discussing just the, the whole schedule for uh, 2021 coming up, so it, it's, it's a good, you know, conjunction. Let me see. I'm loading here. Did, did, you get, did those slides get loaded in? Yes, sir. They're official back there. <laughs> Give me a second here. I should have done this ahead of time, but I was all wrapped up in the love of Jesus. Okay, here we go. So basically, this is where we're going. All of 2021, here is my goal, is that you and me and the ministry of this church causes people to repent and believe the gospel. Amen. Just like what Jesus said in the beginning, he came and he started to preach. From that point on, repent and believe the gospel. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is near. And so we'll unpack what that looks like and now, repenting and believing the gospel is not just about sin. How many of you, when you hear the word repent, you instantly think about sin? Y'all are a bunch of liars. You're more than y'all believe that. You need to repent from your sin. Oh, that's right. You've been in this church too long. Long enough. I, yeah. No, but repent means change the way that you think. It does have a, it, there is a sorrow along with it. But it's not, go, I'm going to go to God and I'm going to repent and I'm going to make myself so lowly and humble and, and convince him that I feel really bad. You know, I mean, and then he gives you some forgiveness. Repentance is like, oh man, I can't, I've been, see, we need to repent not just about sin, but about righteousness and holiness and the character of God. And we need to repent about the benefits of the gospel. There's lots of things that we need to repent about. That is, turn away from our former way of thinking. There's all types of nuanced, carnal thinking that we've allowed to be developed into our mind and in our hearts that we need to change our minds away from and believe the gospel. The gospel. Every belief that you have in your heart, is it established from the gospel? Is it established from who God is, how he feels about you, what he's done to live with and in and through you, and the benefits of that, and then how you are to live from that? Everything associated with that progression are all of those beliefs rooted in the gospel. So we're going to have lots of opportunity to repent in the upcoming weeks of a lot of areas and I pray that you hit some areas of your heart that you've hidden away that you don't really share with people. You know, and I'm not trying to say, hey, you've got a secret sin. You know, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to scare people. But there are struggles that we have. We've been hurt. You know, I want to repent. I want to help you repent from the trauma associated with the past hurt that you can let it go and experience that wholeness and freedom and peace that God has given to you in Christ, that you walk free from that stuff. You know, the gospel goes deep. And I, I want us to let it go deep. As deep as it can go and bring all of that healing and release and peace that God desires for us. Amen? Amen. So I have a couple of, of things that I've written here. Because today I want to talk about 
I'm going to end with some passages about the gospel, but I want to start with this idea of mindsets. And I just, this is just what God laid on my heart. So let me, let me walk through these. And I wouldn't normally just show like this side of my notes up there, but I, but I kind of want to, you know, just make this part clear. This is something that I wrote for this and felt like it just kind of flowed out. So we've been through a rough year. The world is experiencing a collective trauma. You know, I've been talking about that a lot lately. The whole world has been shocked and, and it's like, you know, the whole world has been traumatized and we're all trying to figure out what does life look like and what, where are the boundaries and who's doing this and is it real and don't mask me and hey, just wear a mask. You know, all of the things that we do, all of the overreaction and all of the sensitivities and all of the stuff that's directly related to trauma and a collective societal trauma we are experiencing. And there's a, there's a resistance in general on whatever side we may fall. And so those kinds of things, it's time to let that stuff down. And I'm, I'm not making a statement about masks or politics. I'm making a statement about how we see the world around us, how we see ourselves, and the mindsets that we allow to be developed. So the mindsets that we carry and walk in is what I want to address as we transition into repenting and believing the gospel. What mindsets are you carrying that may have been reinforced or affected in 2020 that need to change? And not just change, but maybe you even realize, oh, wow, yeah, I've been thinking that way and I didn't even really realize it. So we need to check our mental health and make sure our thoughts are in line with God's thoughts. We're going to do a deep dive into the gospel, into the finished work of Jesus, and make sure our hearts and minds are established in the gospel of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Every thought and belief you have should be held up against to and compared to the finished work of Jesus and see if you are in line with it. And if not, repent and replace that and let it go. But there's going to be some homework associated with this. But it's easy. It's just easy. You know, they asked Jesus, what do we need to do to work the works of God? He said, well, just believe. Yeah. You know, I made a post on social media, and you always get this post. Well, are you saying that if we had enough faith, we would be healed? Not really. Sorry, that was distracting. Let me, uh, <laughs> let me keep going here. Uh, this is pretty small, but I'll, we'll post it up so that you can see it, put it in the blog or whatever. But So we think we're products of our upbringing or our societies or our education, and those are all factors, but we are by and large products of our mindsets regardless of where we got those mindsets, regardless of where they came from. The way you think shapes your paradigms, perspectives, and points of view. Your mindsets determine the way you live and will influence your choices. There are nuances to the subject of mindsets, such as the beliefs of the heart, self-worth, past experiences, theological persuasion, there's more. But by and large, your current reality is a direct reflection of your mindsets. You may have more than one, but in general, the way you think and what you think about and the way you allow your mindsets to influence you determine the quality of life you have and your general outlook on life. Make sense? Truly, Proverbs 23, 7, the first part, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. There's a big heart component that we focus on as, as it relates to the gospel and your identity in him, that new creation identity of your heart and the function and the dynamic of this new heart, this spiritual heart that you have that affects the world around you. You have a self-portrait of yourself in your heart. And every time you face anything, you look at it, and you check it, and you say, oh, no, this is who I am. And then you display that image, whether it's productive or not. And we want to rewrite, repaint that image so that it matches how God sees you and the work that he's done through Christ. Amen? So just to define a mindset. <clears throat> a mindset is a fixed mental attitude or disposition that predetermines a person's responses to and interpretations of situations. Pretty simple. That's just the psychological definition. We have spiritual mindsets or mystical or quasi-spiritual or certain kinds of theological mindsets that shape and influence 
how we hear the gospel. A lot of people become offended at the gospel because it says you don't have to be broke. Well, how do I not get broke? Well, that's up to the Holy Spirit and you to figure that out. But I do know that he was made poor so that you might become rich. It says that. You're going to throw that out or are you going to be offended by it? You can be offended by it if you like. He was bruised for your iniquity. By his stripes, you are healed. Or you're saying that I should be healed if I believe in Jesus. What if I'm not healed? I need you to explain that to me. And so we try to explain, or any preacher tries to explain, well, I'm offended at that. I disagree with you. Well, that's fine, but it says by his stripes, you are healed. Are you offended at that word? Well, me too sometimes. But are you going to repent and believe it? Or are you going to pick and choose? How I see it is not necessarily how it is. It's just how I see it, these preconceptions that we have. We attach our egos to our perspectives, and the ego always needs to be right. The ego preserves its, its self, the need to be right. The heart preserves your identity. That's why it's important to live. And, and I don't know if you remember, but we went through that, the connection of like the physical heart and the spiritual heart and how we, they, they did those tests and your heart, your physical heart, is electromagnetically aware of the input coming at you before your brain has an opportunity to see it and think about it and process it. And your heart sends signals to your brain of how to respond to what's coming at you. That's a, we, I can't remember what message that was, but it was recent. So <clears throat> I love this. Albert Einstein said this. There are only two ways to live your life. One is as though nothing is a miracle. The other is as though everything is a miracle. You're a, the general outlook that we have on life, especially as it relates to God, these outlooks that we have and these expectations that we have, you know, these bad teachings that, we've, that have been built in, our, in us through religion. So some details, I feel like it's helpful. Let me run through a couple of these. This is a list of mindsets in the psychological field. A lot of times Christians are weird. I don't know that psychobabble. It's like God made the way that you think and observing and systematizing human behavior is not psychobabble. That's not your path to healing, but understanding yourself so that you can repent and believe the gospel is very powerful. For you to recognize within you your limitations and repent from those and offer them up to God and adopt God's mindsets in these particular areas that you might be struggling that's very godly. Not looking to psychology as a source of healing, but as a source of enlightenment to repent and believe the gospel. So the fixed mindset, growth, fear, lazy, envy, business, dreamer, follower, greed, gratitude, confident, creative, short-term, angry, productive. And so you think, all right, do I carry any of these mindsets and how do these mindsets affect me and where am I? Like, where am I in terms of how I feel God is working in the world right now? You know, the fixed mindset, like safety and stability, I'm just going to go ahead and click through these. The growth mindset, you know, if, you, if you're kind of an entrepreneurial type person or you want to see growth or you're, you've got a business or you want to invest in yourself, you know, that you hear a lot of talk about the growth mindset. Be growth mindset versus fixed mindset. This is a big one that's a nuance, I think, of the fear mindset which is victim mentality. A lot of us think we're victims of God. We're going to talk about that in this series. So a couple of Christian mindsets, and these, these, are, these are terms and labels that I felt made sense. So these are, these are my terms. But, it, but in the years of ministry and counseling and sitting with people and talking to people and helping people, change the way that they think so that they can be receptive to the kind of help that God has for them. Because a lot of us, the way that we think about God, we're not receptive to the, to the kind of help that He wants to offer. We don't know that He will consistently offer this particular kind of help to you. He will not judge you or condemn you because He already judged Jesus for you. So therefore, you can be honest with Him and go to Him and bear your heart and not be afraid of Him. People don't know that. 
People are afraid that if they admit the truth to God, that He'll judge them and you might lose your salvation, as if He doesn't already know. That might sound silly to you, but it's, a very, it's very real in a lot of Christians' lives. So here's some of the Christian mindsets that I wanted to label. The God's in control mindset. This one says, everything happens for a reason. Well, yeah, sometimes that reason is you made a dumb decision. <laughs> or, you know, everything that happens is part of God's plan or some version of that. And there's a theological structure that presents that. The Reformed theological, a lot of times Baptist structure presents that. I'm not trying to attack Baptists or Reformed folks. You know, most of the Baptist pastors went to Reformed theological seminaries. But you have to understand there are structures of systematic theology that are built on certain ways of thinking that are contrary to who God really is. So re-anchoring the truth of who God is back to the foundation of the gospel helps make sense of these kinds of things. You know, so the God's in control mindset also will say something like this, well, you know, God's not causing it, but He's allowing it. Well, what's the difference? I mean, really? Well, you know, He didn't, he didn't make it happen, but, but He could have stopped it, but He didn't, so therefore it must be here for a reason. If God is all-powerful and all-knowing, he, he could have kept my mom from having cancer, but He didn't, so therefore He must have wanted it for her. He could have stopped my spouse from train wrecking our marriage, but he didn't, so therefore he must have wanted it. He could have stopped me from sticking that chocolate cake in my mouth over and over and over, but he didn't, so therefore he must want me to have angina. And... <laughs> I heard one girl one time said that she was stripping on poles and trended into prostitution because God didn't give her the desire to change that, then God must have wanted her to have that lifestyle. That's how broken we get. God's in control. Well, is he? Man, he's doing a bad job if he is. Are you kidding me? And I did this whole series, uh, uh, Is God in Control? And one of, the, one of the messages in there was about, does God do evil? Because if God preordained everything, then you're telling me somebody like a Jeffrey Dahmer or a Mao Zedong or whatever his name, that God intimately sat down and strategized those choices and participated in the perversion and the defilement of others. You're telling me that's how deep it is. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like, how, like if you're going to believe that stuff, believe it all the way. Let's deal with the hard stuff if you're going to believe God's in control. Now, He's sovereign, meaning He is the highest authority, but how He chooses to exercise that authority in this day and time is that He's given dominion to mankind, dominion of this planet to mankind. And so what we have is a collaboration between God and man. And guess which one is which? <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Now, can he do anything he wants? Absolutely. But he can't violate his word. And his word was, I'm giving you dominion. You go and subdue the earth. In the meantime, until I restore all things, you go. Now, I will rule and reign through you. And of, of course, I can't imagine that there aren't times that God just exercises his sovereignty and I don't, I, you know, I don't want to eliminate that, but, but it will never violate the, the, his heart toward us displayed in the finished work of Jesus. Like if God ever just chooses to make a decision outside of what we would say is legal for him, it's not going to violate the plan of salvation in Christ and the value that humans have within his own heart and the expression of His love through Christ. Are, are you with me? And a lot of people will say this as if it's comforting. That's a big one people need to repent from. And it's difficult sometimes because things happen and we're like, well, you know, I prayed and got nothing changed, so therefore God didn't answer. 
We're going to talk about that kind of stuff. So Christian mindsets, God's in control. Another one is doom and gloom or maybe in parentheses, the left behind mindset. Well, the world's just getting darker. The end is near. The wicked are in control and prospering, and it's all just, let's just hide and wait. Let's just hide and wait. Rapture's in, I think the rapture's going to be next Tuesday, so let's just wait. Uh, don't forget the kingdom is increasing. You know, we've been going through these. I'm going to read it again. We've read it weeks in a row now, but I'm going to read them again to wrap this thing up here in just a minute. The kingdom is in. There will never be a time in human history where the kingdom of God is not increasing. There will never be a, a time in the life of the planet of this earth where God is not moving about and destroying his enemies and increasing his kingdom. Ever. There will never be a time when the kingdom is not increasing. Because he said from that time on, the government will be upon his shoulders that Jesus appeared. And to the increase of his kingdom, there will be no end. And then he gives us the parable of the wheat and the tares. And he says, yeah, there's, yeah, there's weeds out there. Yeah, of course there's weed. The enemy has come and sown weeds. But there's wheat. Which one are you going to focus on? Which mindset do you have? Are you participating with the kingdom? Are you feeling like these weeds are overtaking the garden? There's just so many weeds out here. We just got to burn it all down. Like the solution, think about that. The solution, if your solution is, well, it's just all got to burn. I don't see any way that there can be any hope. Just burn it all down. You might have a doom and gloom mindset. There may be a more theological term for that. But, but I like it because in Isaiah uh, 9, it says... There will be no more gloom. This, over, this overhanging sense of darkness. You don't have to walk around with that. Even though you're observing incredible darkness in the earth, it's there. Yeah, the weeds are there. They asked Jesus, do we go and attack the weeds in the parable? No, you don't. You let them grow. Well, are you saying we shouldn't go and attack the enemy? and attack the weeds and the darkness and call them all devils because they voted a certain way? We shouldn't do that? Nah. The weeds. Now, again, don't stick your head in the sand. Don't ignore that stuff. Obviously, we should fight and stand up for righteousness and pursue justice and, and, and pursue deeply the call of God in our heart in those areas, right? Are you with me? It's not that we neglect and just give up, but that's what the doom and gloom mindset says. I'm just going to give up because it's so dark that only burning it all down is going to fix this thing. Well, no. There's re there, you know, it could happen that America becomes more godly than it ever has been. The doom and gloom mindset looks at the condition of the world and has the expectation that it's on a downhill slide until the end. And then people will say, well, I read the end of the book. I know how it ends. Well, it hadn't ended yet. I mean, is that what you want? Are you with me? A lot of people have that mindset right now, looking at the world and, and are convinced that we are so close to the end that it's just going to downhill slide. And how's that working for you? Some people's lives are such a mess that they want that to be true because they don't want to have to change and repent and believe the gospel and experience transformation and carry out the calling of God on their life. They'd rather just believe it's just all, we're, this is it, this is the end. Any minute now. It's so dark, I have no hope. Are you serious? That's your, that's your, that's your expectation? So dark, no hope? Just give up? It's a losing battle? 
No, please, no. Are you with me? Is there darkness? Of course there is. But how does Jesus say deal with it? The weeds are going to grow up. The wheat's going to grow up. They become self-evident. But the, weed, the wheat is growing. Don't allow the weeds to determine your mindsets. Don't allow the darkness to determine your mindsets and your expectations and to taint your outlook on life which might mean that you throw your TV out the window. <laughs> I mean, are, are you, you know, what are we allowing to shape our mindsets? And, and I don't want to be naive, but I want to be kingdom-minded. And, and I think the gospel produces that. Amen? Amen. A couple more mindsets and a couple scriptures. The lost world. Well, we just have to endure to the end. We're all sinners. Judgment's coming soon. You know, kind of similar. It's like there's, there's not much hope in these mindsets, religious mindsets, mindsets that kind of neglect the, the power and the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And then the victorious mindset. Jesus has defeated the enemy. Jesus has given us the victory. Jesus is currently ruling and reigning through us. We can reign in life with him. You can be the Daniel in the lion's den. And I'm not just talking about an external, you know, the lion's den for you might be right here in between these ears, right? With the enemy and the roaring lion coming in. And it's like, where are you going to go? In your mind and in your heart. When the enemy and the lion is coming after you and your thoughts, Usually when you first wake up in the morning and when you're, first, and you're falling asleep at night and those lions are roaring and that darkness and the, your past and what's going on in the world, and it's like, no, I'm Daniel in the lion's den. In my own heart, I am standing, beholding the face of God at peace, untouchable by the enemy. Even unto the losing of my life, I will not give up this hope that I have in Christ. And that's not naive because all that is is the shedding of a cocoon and stepping into truth, <laughs> you know? So, a couple of scriptures, and we've read these. After the arrest of John, Jesus went into Galilee and proclaimed the gospel of God. What is the gospel? What is the gospel? It can be communicated in many ways, but it is a few things. And we're going to reaffirm all that stuff. I'll go ahead and give you your homework now. Your homework is in your scripture reading and in your reading of this book. Find some passages that, that you really identify with and, and catalog them in such a way where it's like, this is the gospel. Boom, this passage really speaks to it for me. Boom, this passage really solidifies this part of the gospel for me and catalog it. Have a little notebook or however you do it or an Evernote note where it's like this is the gospel and build your particular passages where you gain an understanding that you have something to anchor your heart into. This is the gospel. Because see, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And salvation is healing, holing, restoration, peace, holing, wholeness. <laughs> Provision. All of the characters of the character of God and all of the things that he declares himself, I am Jehovah so-and-so, are in this salvation that you've been given in Christ. And the gospel is the power for you to experience complete salvation. And it's like Jesus said in Mark 4. How does it work? How does writing a list of gospel scriptures that solidify in my mind and understanding and in my emotions that I grasp it and I feel it and it really means something to me and it touches me on a deep level, how does that do anything for me? Well, Jesus explains it. He says it's like the farmer that casts seed in the ground. He goes to sleep. He wakes up. He doesn't know how. But that seed produces after its own kind. As you put the gospel in your heart and in your mind, it will produce after its own kind. What do you want in your life? Search, find those passages that solidify what the gospel is to you 
and let those sit within there. And don't overshadow them with the deceitfulness of riches, the lust of the world, or the lust of other things and cares of this world, right? That stuff, think about that. More than anything, that's what clouds the Word of God from bearing the deceitfulness of riches. I don't have enough money, or I got so much money that I depend on it. The lust of other things. Well, I want this more than I want what Jesus has provided for me. Or I want, this, I want what God wants for me, but I want it this way. And the cares of this world. Well, you know, my kids, my mom, my job, my so-and-so, the government, the, what's going on in China, what's going on. You know, we care, we care about that stuff, but does it overshadow the gospel? <clears throat> so he said this, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the gospel. I, I see Jesus showing up and was like, look, boys, I'm here. God is here. The kingdom is here. It's not going to come with outward observation. You're waiting for a ruling, dominant king to come and overthrow Rome and set up our kingdom, and then we rule the world as promised through Abraham in terms of we're a blessing to all nations. It's not going to come with outward observation, Jesus says. The kingdom of heaven is within if you, want to experience the, you, if you want to experience Jesus ruling and reigning on this planet, let him start within you. Ultimately, it's going to change in the restoration of all things. But he says the time is fulfilled. So what time was fulfilled? And again, I'm reiterating these passages. I'm going a little bit long, but I feel like it's important. Isaiah 9, 6, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Because you know, like Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons will say that Jesus is not God. Well, this right here calls the Son the everlasting Father. It's not three persons. It's one. You just don't understand it with your carnal mind. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of His government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on. From that time on is when? And forever. Allow this to shape your expectation of what God's doing in the earth right now or when God's going to do what he's going to do in the earth. From that time on and forever. Well, when is that time and on? Matthew 4.12, when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew into Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulon and Naphtali, which in Isaiah mentions this, to fulfill that which was said through the prophet Isaiah, land of Zebulon and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. I mean, did, did, you know, it says of Jesus that there was nothing unique about him, right? What's the light that shone? And did they see the light? Some did, some didn't. You know, what's the guy who was prophesied? God told him he'd see the Messiah, but he had to tighten, you know, close his mouth before he saw it. Was it Zechariah? Yeah, I was just thinking about that. The prophet, uh, so the people living in darkness have seen a great light. He, he saw it, right? But others even in the summer, that's Joseph. Watch that kid fix a chair. You're telling me that's the son of God? That's the conquering king? That's the Messiah? The chair broke. You know what I mean? I'm saying? All right, so the people living in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land, uh, on those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Do you see the light? It's here. Which perspectives are we going to carry? From that time on, he preached, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Now, gospel, this is where we're going to end. Romans 3, 
And, you know, I just, I pray that we master Romans. We're going to go through this book, The Gospel of Peace, together. We're going to really do a deep dive into it. We're going to talk about it every week. We're going to lay so many scriptures and foundational teachings that it's like, I, I want you to so deeply know and be familiarly, uh, intimately familiar with the gospel that you could stand up anywhere at any moment and preach the gospel and be confident in it. Romans 3.21, but now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifest. Now it says that this is the stumbling block. Faith righteousness is the stumbling block of the gospel. And it still is. I get messages from pastors, make sure you preach the whole counsel of the word, brother. Well, I do. Under the covenant that we are, not saying we throw away the old, but we understand it's fulfilled. Doesn't mean you go out and break the law. Living in grace wouldn't teach you to do that. But you just know where you are with God. Faith, righteousness. There is now a righteousness apart from the law. These are the details we're going to get into. We know these things. We talk about the stuff all the time. Most of what we talk about here in this church is how the gospel applies practically to your life. But we're just going to go through a lot of the foundational doctrine of it. You know, and, I, and sometimes I've hesitated to do that because you can just easily agree with Scripture and it not really affect your life, but we're going to do both. Uh, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe, for there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by His grace, through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation. That's a very powerful word, propitiation. We'll dig into that. In His blood, which it basically means to satisfy the anger and wrath. This was to demonstrate His righteousness because in the forbearance of God, He passed over the sins previously committed. For the demonstration, I say, of His righteousness at the present time, so that he would be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. We're not just talking about going to heaven. We're talking about being righteous and being justified and how that affects how you see God in, in yourself. Um, where then is boasting? It is excluded by what kind of law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Here's your homework. I gave it to you already. Search the scriptures for key passages about the gospel Amen. and build them. Build a list of them. Like, honestly, build a... Because I, I want you to be shocked by how much transformation you experience from believing the gospel. I want you to be free from those things that you... Don't tell people about and that you thought you'd never be free from because the gospel is that powerful. It's a little scary. You don't understand how it works, but if you put it in, it works. Amen. And again, the goal, I, I want to equip you to communicate the gospel clearly and powerfully. The gospel is the power. You know, I, I want us to know that when we preach Jesus, in spite of where we might be and in spite of where they might be, the gospel is powerful. It's rooted in God's love for us, but the good news about what God has done through Jesus and all that comes along with that is it's the most powerful. It's, it's, it's like it. You know what I mean? It's the most powerful thing that you can engage within the system of Christianity. Like we're looking for things. How do I change? What do I do? How do I do this? I want to understand. I want to understand. It's like the gospel. Believe the gospel. Repent and believe the gospel on many, many levels is what we're going to do. Sound good? And, 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 it, and I appreciate the word to really kind of kick the whole thing off. And that is be truthful. You got to make a commitment to yourself that you're going to be truthful. So, 
We're going to start, you can start the reading now in this book if you like. We have some back there. Adam will be back there taking care of the, um, the sales. If you, again, if you can't afford it, you just don't have the money, we'll give it to you. It's fine. And if you're watching online, you can get it at impactministries.com or on Amazon. If you're watching online, we're going to make sure you join the Forward Church Facebook group. It's called Forward Church Online because that's where we'll facilitate the ministry, the follow-up ministry in there. Uh, in addition to Wednesdays, we will stream that and figure out the best way to do that. But This book changed your life, yeah. I mean, I had heard about righteousness, justification, all these things, words when I was growing in who I am in Christ. And, I mean, that book yeah. is it. I mean, it's, it's excellent. I'm telling you, you this is awesome. It's, so. it's comprehensive, but yet it's not complicated. And, and it's, uh, it's incredibly powerful. And it's not about the information as much as it is a journey in intimacy with the Holy Spirit <clears throat> to do a work within us that is so deep and undeniable and affirming and answering your questions about how could it, can it really be that good? Because there are people that quite, well, what about, you know, I just, it sounds too good to be true. Well, it is. It's too good to be, like, that's the word in the Greek that they used. It was a word not used that much, but the word they used meant Almost too good to be true news. But it's, but it's anchored and it's balanced. And that's where we're, we're just going to focus on it. Amen? Let's stand up and just turn our hearts toward him. You can, you can put up the giving slide there. Yeah, and, and you know, part of this, I, I don't, I don't want to neglect the local and I don't want to neglect the non-local. You know, I think God is showing us what church, how it looks different now because there are people that are watching online right now that this is their church, you know, and so it would be cool if some of you guys in that Facebook group jump in, get to know some of these people and, you know, just welcome them in. But I, I want to disciple them as well, and we get to collectively do that as we display, you know, people, I just read a message this morning that said, I haven't wanted to be a part of a church since I was 12 years old, and I want to be a part of that church. It's like, well, it's just about the gospel. You know, I, I want this church to be an easy experience for you. You know, I, I, we don't have a lot of expectations for you. We don't have a saddle to strap on you when you show up, and we're going to ride you until you're worn out, and then you leave and somebody else comes in and takes your place. I, I don't want that for you. You've been through that, haven't you? I, I want us to serve in areas where we want to serve and step out. And, and you know, that, that's part of what the gospel will do is it will compel you into those things that God has put on your heart. It takes away the fear and all the worry and all that stuff of, well, what if it doesn't work or it's too complicated? No, it's, it's simple. It's easier than you think. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. Amen. What does it look like to serve out of a place of acceptance rather than for acceptance? So with giving, I just ask you to be generous. And that's another area that we'll touch on in relation to the gospel. You're free. God is not like holding your stinginess against you. I mean, yes, it's true that he who sows sparingly reaps sparingly, but it's not God keeping a log going, well, you didn't give, you gave 7%. So I'm going to give you a 32% return. You know what I mean? It's not like... That, it's not that way. You're not under obligation. You're not under the law. You are not under the tithe. Some people in the New Covenant preach tithing as if it's still kind of a law. The law of faith with giving works in this way. If you don't give a fixed percentage of your income, it's sending a message to your heart that you need that money. I need this money. But when you give it away... It sends a message to your heart. This doesn't make sense to me, but we're going to trust God. And so then you give out of gratitude. You give out of thankfulness. You don't give under compulsion or manipulation. And I'm not going to have a thermometer with a line up here going, we need to get to this level. I mean, we might do a thermometer for the building, I don't, you know, but, but it's not in terms of if you don't give, we're going to shut the doors or whatever, you know. 
You give because you have value for what this ministry is doing. If you believe in it, give. Not with some backdoor promise of sowing in fertile ground and your seed is multiplied more. You know, that's all manipulation. It just really is. It's very simple. If you believe in this message and you believe in the ministry of this church, give. Give regularly. Decide whatever percentage works for you and make it a budget item for you. It will teach your heart how to trust God in the area of finances. 1%, 10%, 25%, whatever. Do it consistently. Train yourself to trust God with your finances beyond what makes sense to you. I'm just telling you, that work, and that goes for you guys watching online too. If you believe in this church and you benefit, participate in that way. You guys know me. I'm not trying, we're not trying to be something that we're not and do some big thing because we just need to feed our ego and be some massive church. I mean, I want to be a church of thousands, but it's slow and steady wins the race. It's as the Lord provides. It's as it, as... It is an organic expression of this collective sowing into it and believing together, right? I don't want to make empty promises. I don't want to manipulate you. But I do want to see you develop a generous heart because I know the power of it. When you get set free from the fear of money and not having enough or depending on your money because you, you've taught your heart how to do that, man, I'm telling you, it's incredibly freeing. And I want that for you. So give, like, like really. We have people that are doing stuff. We want to be able to give. Caitlin's got a ministry. We need to feed some, clothe some kids over there. Next week, we're going to hear from the Kretzus and their journey and what they're doing and you know, a, little, a little bit of a pause, but not really because it's about the gospel in practice and function and how the gospel gets behind things and sends out. So we're going to hear from them and where they're moving. Don't, you know, bring some people. If you're mission-minded, come and be inspired. We're going to get behind them and listen and, and just have an opportunity, you know, and, and ongoing, not a one-time thing. Uh, I'm thankful for what they're doing and look forward to next week. And then on to staying in this focus. Sound good? Just think about what today means to you. Think about what, um, are you excited? Are you feeling a little bit of a hesitation? Is it like, uh, you know, what is, what are you, where are you with it? Where are, what, do you, what do you see? And you get, to, you get to decide your expectations. You get to decide what this journey will be for you based on the mindsets that you have and your, your expectations. And I pray that it is a liberating, healing, transformative, affirming process for you as we become rooted and grounded in the gospel and His love for us, and this faith righteousness that we've been given. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank You for the opportunity to gather together and share Your Word and, and be encouraged by each other and worship together. Father, we thank You for the opportunity that, that, that we have through this church and this ministry to reach out beyond these walls and touch people all over the world, that the gospel is getting out there. I thank you for the people that are local and this is their home church. Father, I just thank you that they're free. I thank you that you've shown us a way to facilitate ministry where people are free. Father, I thank you that that freedom isn't misdiagnosed as lack of activity, but I thank you for the responsibility that people adopt in that freedom. I thank you that, I thank you that we just have the opportunity in this city and in our community and state and country and beyond to be Voices for your gospel, the simple, powerful, transformative gospel of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. We love you and we trust you. And I speak all the benefits of your spirit over every person in this place. Father, I thank you that your spirit, that your blood, Jesus, has set us free from condemnation, that we don't have to walk with guilt and shame. We might feel those things, and as we are honest with ourselves and we allow ourselves to admit the truth, we may feel those things, but it's not you condemning us, God. It is you showing us, I have set you free. You don't have to carry that. You don't have to walk in that. I will help you. I feel like the Father is saying, I will help you in this journey as you deal with those deeper things in your life that you've swept under the rug. I speak life and health 
over every person in this place and watching and listening. Father, I thank you that your supernatural provision is not limited to what happens to our economy. Father, I thank you that your provision comes out of your riches in glory, not out of our taxes in Congress. Father, I thank you that we look to you for our provision, and our provision is not defined or limited at all by what's going on in this world, that you seek to abundantly bless us above all that we can ask or imagine so that we would be a blessing. And just say that, I am blessed to be a blessing. We thank you, Father, for that. In Jesus' powerful name, amen and amen.